the Long Island Ice Team, the T-O-Double-D. You're listening to Perched on the Top Rope. to perch down the top rope that's right we don't have rob hockman today so i am your host lee walker and joining me today i am the incomparable the undeniable the adorable alex todd so i think maybe for once i can do this one time it's me it's me it's the long island iced lee what a hell in a cell pay-per-view we had last night huh al you could say that um <laughs> Before we get into the results, Al, your general thoughts on the pay-per-view. Meh. Um, was... So here's my thing. It was better than television has been lately, which is not too hard to do. Not. I don't want us to sound like we're always hating on WWE because we're not. When they produce good pay-per-views, we, we give them their dues. But, um, you know, the TV shows are usually generally not good. Um, however, I'm going to say this pay-per-view under-excelled in my opinion. It wasn't awful, but compared to the, the episodes of Raw SmackDown and NXT we've been getting that have been meh at best, um, the pay-per-views lately have actually been pretty good. Compared to WrestleMania Backlash, compared to um, WrestleMania... Elimination Chamber, a lot of the other pay-per-views that we've had during the pandemic era, I felt like this was one of the slightly, and by slightly I mean just barely slightly, underperforming pay-per-views. It wasn't because of anybody involved in the pay-per-view. My biggest problem is that we had too many matches that we've already seen. They may, Some of them may have been under different stipulations, but Seth Rollins, Cesaro, we've seen it. Bailey, Bianca, we've seen it since WrestleMania. Um, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, we've seen it. Rhea, Charlotte, they've been doing it since WrestleMania. You know, most of the card, with the exception of, geez, even Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, we've seen it. The only other match that we really haven't seen was Alexa Bliss versus Shane Baszler, and that was, we'll talk about that later. Yes, we will. Um, Good thought process. I, I truly enjoyed listening to that. I thought the matches were good. I thought they were good matches for, for, for what we had. Oh, no, the matches weren't bad at all. I'm not I'm not dissing the matches themselves. I'm dissing the storyline and the creative that went into all of it. Which wasn't much. And my only other thing that I took away from this pay-per-view, extremely predictable. Mm-hmm. Too predictable. That's what made it hard to watch, because you already knew what was basically going to happen, but you just didn't know how the match itself was going to play out. Yeah. You knew the finish, which made it hard to watch. You didn't know the exact finish, but you knew who was going over and who wasn't. The other thing that, for me, that I uh, the only other takeaway I have for the pay-per-view itself, which I felt took away from the pay-per-view as a whole... There wasn't one tag team match, no Raw tag team championship match, no Raw SmackDown tag team championship match, and there was no women's tag team championship match, which starts off actually the first night of the match, the kickoff show. We saw Natalia take on Mandy Rose. I, I found this to be a very weird opening match. It's confusing because technically... Both tag teams are babyface tag teams as of right now. And there was a video promo leading up to this match. I believe it aired on SmackDown on Friday. And it was something along the lines of Tamina and Natalia were either they were training or going yep. over a match or something in the Thunderdome. Because they have like those side rings off to the yep. side, kind of like the Performance yep. Center. Yep. And they were off like training and then... I think it was. I think Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose were like trying to do a photo shoot, yep. and like both teams got angry at each other because they were trying to um, share the same space, and it was just it was just uh, a dumb 
storyline that led into it, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And it just it didn't make the the match interesting. What made it hard was the fact that they're both baby face, but what what made it hard was they both acted like heels. Yeah, they both. So like you were confused watching the match because you're like, wait a second, now now they're both heels. They yeah. were just both baby faces. It, it's weird. Natalia is a is a heel. Never comes off as a heel. It's it's never good. No, she's a natural born baby face, and honestly, Tamina's a really good baby face too. Yeah, I love her. I can see Mandy and Dana Brooke being a heel tag team. I can too. And uh, long story short, for this match, we see Natalia win by submission, um, which isn't really a shocker. Did it, you really think that Mandy Rose was going to go over a champion Natalia? Yeah. No. Um, but I think it's safe to say we know who's next in line for the, the women's tag team title match. It's definitely going to be Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Uh, Dana Brooke. I wouldn't be shocked if that was on tonight's Monday Night Raw. It, yeah, very well could be. Um, to me, this was a weak opening match um, because it did not make sense. But the, the, the card itself, the main card, was a good show. Right. Uh, the first match, the opening match to Hell in a Cell was a Hell in a Cell match. It was a women's match. It was the Women's SmackDown Championship as we saw Bianca Belair take on Bailey. So here's what I'm going to do. As I've already said that the show was kind of underwhelming, I'm going to go out of my way for every match. I'm not really going to talk about the negatives for most of them. There is one in particular that I'm going to talk about, and it's the same thing I complain about on Monday Night Raw every week. Um, but out of the rest of them, I'm going to go out of my way to try and bring up the positives in the match. And with this match, it was easily, easily not even close. It was match of the night. Bailey has reached a sadistic point with her character where she might arguably be the greatest thing in women's wrestling on TV right now. She's got like the almost like Cruella vibe going on, like from that new uh, Disney movie. She's like the like if you notice like the more she shows up on TV lately the short haircut she has like her hair is starting to get like more pointy and twisty and they're like going down like not too sadistic of a character but like they're they're showing her off as like an actual badass and I feel like it's starting to become similar to the um, the rise of the badass character that Becky Lynch had a couple of years ago and I I thoroughly enjoyed it my only problem with this match was that they've gone back and forth to it a couple times, but this match was awesome. Uh, the right person won over as it's not time for Bianca to lose the title yet, but hitting that finisher that she has, I can't remember what it's called, but um, it's almost like a flipping one-winged angel like Christopher Daniels yeah. used to do. She did it to Bailey on a ladder, and watching her, like, they didn't sugarcoat that landing. She, like, went right into it. The ladder, like, buckles and crumbles underneath her and that was one of the better finishes that i've seen to a match on wwe uh with the exception of nxt in quite some time so that match in my opinion best match on the night wow i'm gonna say the complete opposite i completely lost interest in this match Hmm? which was weird because it was literally the opening match and I can't tell you why I lost interest, to be honest. It was, um, just for me, it was hard to watch. And I only want to say this because I've been a fan since the first Hell in a Cell. I've seen a lot of Hell in a Cell matches. During the Attitude Era, I feel like those were the best for Hell in a Cell. Obviously, you have Undertaker and Mankind. You had Sean and The Undertaker. You know, that's where Kane was first introduced. Um, we had some good ones in the Ruthless Aggression era. Though. Oh, 100%. Like the three stages of Hell match with Batista and Triple H. But Triple H versus The Undertaker. You know, so like when I watch these Hell in a Cell matches, I compare them to older ones. And it's just never, it's never going to work. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's never, they're never the same. They did, they, the hype is different. I think the only Hell in a Cell match we've gotten in recent memory that was close to that same Attitude Era vibe was that uh, that Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman Hell in a Cell where yes. you had like Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre all come down. Everybody was flying off the cage everywhere. Yep. So, I mean, 
this was a good match. It was it was, th- it was structurally a sound, great match. I just kind of lost interest, and I think it was because I knew how the outcome was going to be. Uh, fans, Bianca Belair retained the women's championship. Um, if you didn't think that was going to happen, then um, I don't know what to tell you. I I just I had this feeling Bailey wasn't gonna win bianca belair is too new to the championship they're also setting up for sasha banks's return too when they go uh, what is it the july 16th episode of smackdown where yeah. the fans return we're supposed to be see the return of like sasha banks edge john cena that night so they're they're clearly setting up and waiting for yeah. belair banks too at SummerSlam. yeah so i mean uh mr mcmahon did say that the product would get better when the fans come back better storylines better everything so uh, let's just hope that that word uh, stays true. Uh, we move on to the next match now. Seth Rollins versus Cesaro. These guys had a phenomenal match at WrestleMania. This was nothing of the sort. Uh, unfortunately, like you had said, we've already seen a lot of these matches. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Cesaro and Seth Rollins are basically incapable of putting on a bad match, so obviously the match wasn't bad. I am just kind of upset that it seems like the push on Cesaro yet again has already calmed down a little bit, but there's always the chance that they're cooling down because, like we had said before, there's a possibility that maybe Cesaro wins money in the bank this year, which I have a feeling that he's going to. I don't really see anybody else in a position other than Cesaro to win money in the bank this year. There's really there's really nobody. You're not. There's not many other former winners like... Seth Rollins has got other plans for SummerSlam, which we'll get to later. Um, Otis is never going to hold money in the bank again. The Miz is currently injured, and he just, just cashed in his money in the bank not too long ago. And aside from that, basically everybody else who's ever won money in the bank, minus Dolph Ziggler, has no longer a job with WWE. Yeah. Daniel Bryan is gone. Braun Strowman's gone. CM Punk's gone. Not that that was ever, <laughs> not that that was ever going to be one that actually worked. But but you get you get the gist. Um, I mean Sheamus maybe, but like he's he's in the middle of doing his thing right now with the U.S. title. So yeah, I uh, I don't see anybody really in line to win the Money in the Bank briefcase except Cesaro this year. So that's my dark horse going in there, and that's part of the reason I think they went with Rollins going over. I think the other reason they went with Rollins going over is because there are heavy rumors that Seth Rollins' SummerSlam opponent going to be the rated r superstar edge this year that is something i am extremely excited to see if they go that route which it's really smart move because they have history together back when edge was not cleared to compete i don't know if you remember the authority oh, angle they had yeah, they had a nice little uh, yeah when seth rollins basically threatened to break edge's neck with his money in the bank briefcase at the time so um if those rumors are to be believed Seth Rollins going over at this point in time was a smart move. But have Cesaro be the guy to win money in the bank. That's all I got. You know, we talked about this earlier in the year with WrestleMania, with Cesaro and, and Seth Rollins having their match, that this needed to be Cesaro's time to shine. They need to just finally just roll with it with him. Mm-hmm. End of story. Um, and normally we're spoiler-free here. As you can already tell, uh, Seth Rollins won the match. Uh, no surprise there. No. Um, it was a good match, but the end w- was threw me off. But as soon as I had realized Cesaro has beaten him twice already, all of a sudden, especially when they said it in commentary. Seth needed the win. They, uh, w- one of the commentators, I don't even remember who said it, could Cesaro pull off the three-peat? As right. soon as I heard that... My pit for Cesaro had changed. So it's not like he really he really didn't get buried. Because no. he's he's still being given more time in matches than he's been most of his career. Um, Seth Rollins did need a win on this one, though. He hasn't had a major victory, I don't think, since he's returned after the Royal Rumble. He really he's no. been he's been putting over people left and right. Um, he's been putting people over since before that, you know. Yeah. He even before he went out on injury, put over Buddy Murphy. Now, you see, that didn't really do much, but... Um, what a great storyline that was. Yeah, it was great. 
literally dropped it as soon as Buddy Murphy beat him and then released the poor guy. But um, if if Seth Rollins is being put in this spot to face Edge at SummerSlam, he needs at least a couple wins going into it, or else nobody's going to be invested in the match. Yeah, so I, I, I agree. I, I agree with this outcome. Um, just don't let off the gas with Cesaro is all I've got to know. I agree. So, moving on to the next match, we have Alexa Bliss versus Shayna Baszler. I expected so much more of this Alexa Bliss character um, without getting into the finish of the match yet. Pairing her with Bray Wyatt slash The Fiend was a great move. Always agreed that it has, but without the fiend, her using this character feels like a ripoff because she's stealing his character. It's it's not entertaining what she's doing right now. This whole voodoo, I control people with my mind thing. It does nothing for me. You know, it worked in 1992 with Papa Shango and the Ultimate Warrior because it was 1992. There was no dirt sheets, and all of TV was like that back then. And yeah, the character type for what he was doing it worked. Right, because pop culture kind of circled around that whole like you you still lived in an era where most TV shows you had were based on characters. You know, you had a lot of cartoons back then that were based on characters. A lot of like scary movies and whatnot. That that was the thing back in like even up until like maybe the early thousands. But it's twenty twenty one. We live in a modern era where like. You can have a scary character, i.e. the Fiend, but, like, he was never doing magic tricks. Yeah, and, and the thing about it with that, you honestly cannot think that what worked in 1992 is going to work in 2021. Yeah, okay, so Papa Shango did the voodoo stuff, you know, the black dye stuff Ooh. came down warrior space, the throwing up of bile and things like that. But one thing Papa Shango never did that Alexa Bliss is doing, the mind control stuff. Exactly. The All of a sudden, Shayna's about to go for a kick and her leg freezes and now she can't move. Right. Or, as we saw in the match last night, uh, at one point she was able to control Nia Jax. And, and, and she slapped her little boy toy there. It's It's... Not entertaining. If you want to make it believable, then make it believable. Have, like, something happen to the ring. Or, like, yeah, like, similar to, like, Kane and The Undertaker. And even with them, I can almost forgive them when they come around and those things happen because their characters were based out of that time. They are grandfathered in, almost. But even Kane or The Undertaker, most of them, most of their mythical aspects and effects of their character don't con- they don't control other people you know maybe back in the day undertaker had similar type ways of controlling people or whatever but it was never like this and it was more of like you can control things around you like kane with the pyro undertaker with the fog and, and the, the, lightning. the lightning and but it was never it, it, it wasn't controlling human beings and it's 2021 and it doesn't work and this, I know I said I wasn't going to complain, but this was the one match I was talking about and the one angle. I hate this Alexa Bliss angle. Without The Fiend, it doesn't work, and they've also went and they've made it too hokey-pokey. They've made it too magic-tricky. Oh, it's, it, so it doesn't work. And I like her appearance. I like the appearance of what she looks like. Absolutely. Go with that appearance. Go with a twisted character. Give her a twisted entrance. Let her do, like, the... the have, let her have the magic that like controls like effects and whatnot, but take the mind control games out of it. Take any of like the bodily liquids and whatnot. You know, like what the Fiend did to Randy Orton coming into WrestleMania. That was like the one thing he did that I didn't like to. Stuff like that where you're controlling other people, just cut it out because nobody believes it. Yeah, it, it's very hard to make people buy into that stuff nowadays. Like I said, in 1992, it was a different story this now fans know what professional wrestling is hence it's called sports entertainment well and people even knew it was fake back then but it was at least entertaining but but the entertainment value that it gave because all the wrestlers were characters now you kind of have them they're characters but they're not characters 
you know, they're using kind of like generic names, like, you know, prime example would be a, a name like Seth Rollins. Okay, he's Seth Rollins, but what's his deal? You know, so that, and if you've noticed with someone like him, that always changes. Right. You know, he's he's been the Monday Night Messiah. He's been Monday Night Rollins. He's been the Architect. He's been all sorts of things. You know, just like Randy Orton with the Legend Killer thing and and, and the Apex, Apex Predator, Predator the know. Viper. So there's always a way to you know change the the name with the person to give them a different feel. But this has been completely out of out of left field with her. And I agree, without the Fiend, it doesn't work. But they've also separated her from the Fiend at WrestleMania, where she almost made it like there was another higher power, which fans were speculating we were going to see Aleister Black with her, and that never happened. And now he's gone from the company. Yep. So a lot of things did not pan out right, I think, for this. Um, I would tell WWE, find a way to end it. I think you can still keep the, the twisted part of her character. But just, you know, get rid of most of the stuff they did. Okay. Come on. Guys, I don't think we're ever going to get through a show without Owen. Ugh. It is what it is. Yeah, right. Um, the match itself was with the hokey pokiness of, like I said, Shayna trying to control, you know, not being able to move her leg because of Alexa and all that. It really took away from the match. Um... It resulted in Shayna Baszler being distracted, and Alexa Bliss hit her version of Sister Abigail and won the match. I didn't even think it was a good match. No, it was the worst match on the card. Yeah, and, and it showed in, in uh, dirt sheet writings, ratings of the match. I think the best I saw was a D. Yeah, it was bad. Moving on, we move to the next match, which... I have a feeling for now is the last match in the chapter of Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. Yes. This is the one match that I'll never complain about us seeing over and over again. No, and this is completely fine because they've always put on a great match. These guys can fight forever. And, um, and, and to go off what you said that you think that it's going to be a while before we see that this match even again, uh, Kevin Owens basically noted on Twitter today that he, again, is taking time off. Yeah, and I saw somebody online complain about how he's taken off so much time. But also, these guys put their, their body through so much that you don't really... You know, I'm not in the business, but I respect them enough to where you don't... You don't get to tell people whether they can take time off or not. You don't... You know, fans have this thing about them these days, and I'm going to piss some of you guys off right now, but I'm going to speak from the heart because that's what we do here. We, we give our honest opinions. There's... There's some of you out there that feel that because you watch the product and that you buy some tickets that you're entitled to say everything that these people should be able to do in their lives. And that's not true. These guys put their body physically through some of these guys more than we'll ever put in in our entire lives. Just within a couple months. And you don't have the right to tell somebody that they can't go home, see their family, take some time off, and heal up. He's doing it because he wants to make sure that he can give his 100% for all of the fans. I'm honestly willing to bet that he's doing it to make sure he's healed up in time for when the fans return so he can give his best in front of fans. Because Kevin Owens, you know, even when he's playing a bad character on television, he he's, he's a man, he cares about his family, he cares about the fans, and all he cares about is putting on a good match, a good show. And the, guy, the man loves wrestling. He's not going anywhere for good. He's taking some time off to heal up. Let him let him do it. Deal with it. Well, and the other thing, too, is, you know, they are getting back to uh, going on the road soon, which WWE has already announced, like, 30 shows. Mm-hmm. So if you want to spend time with your family now as a wrestler, now would be the time to do it. And Kevin is smart about it. He is 100% a family man. Because they're not going to go back to this. The th- that was the last Thunderdome pay-per-view. Yep. Like, things are going back to normal, which, you know, most of you should be happy about. Um, things are going back to normal soon, so there's not going to be a whole bunch of time to hang out with your family anymore. So don't be surprised if you see more guys and girls taking some time off here in the next couple weeks just to prep themselves up for what's about to happen. Because they're going to be back on the road like crazy again. Yeah. 
I mean, they're not going to be going on international tours for a little bit, but they're going to be going around the country again, and they're not going to see their families as much. So if the guy wants to take some time off, let him. That being said, back to the match. This, as always, was an incredible match. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens never... I don't think they're capable of having a bad match. No, they've known each other practically their whole lives. The only thing I think when it came to this match that I would have liked, it should have been a match in Hell in a Cell. Straight up, these guys could have literally tore the roof off Hell in a Cell. I think almost that you could have gone with taking the WWE Championship match out of Hell in a Cell. One of the two, either one. You could have probably done either one. Especially with the, actually, no, the women's. I'm going to go with the women's because the women's Hell in a Cell match ended with, like, a ladder spot, and that is something you probably could have, like, gotten over with the fans without the cell and still had a good match. So that one could have been taken out, and I feel like this one could have been put in because if you put Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy in a Hell in a Cell a couple years ago, you put Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in Hell in a Cell. I agree. Not to add, uh, by the way, I'm pretty sure now we understand why Roman Reigns, Rey Mysterio, got moved to SmackDown because they were planning on putting the women's match in the Hell in a Cell. They announced that on, like, Friday or even might have even been after SmackDown. I don't remember. But... Now you know why they did it. They didn't want three Hell in a Cell matches on the yeah. card. That's why they moved Roman versus Ray to SmackDown, which, honestly, I'm going to include that for a minute, too. That, that, was, was, a, that was a hell of a match. Oh, I yeah. They don't work together ever, so I would have never guessed that Roman Reigns and Ray Mysterio have such good chemistry. But, like, I'm not surprised because ever since his change in character, and it's not even his change in character because he hasn't been bad in the ring in a long time. Roman Reigns has some pretty solid chemistry with just about everybody on the roster these days. And the people that are still knocking him, it's a little pathetic if you ask me, because the man's probably the best thing in pro wrestling right now. I don't knock Roman anymore. No, uh, he's easily the best act in pro wrestling that in any company right this now. Is, this has been something when it came to... We all got mad about Roman getting pushed down our throats as a face, just like we did with John Cena, mm-hmm. just like we did with Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. Stone Cold, The Rock. Y'all get fed up at some point with the guy who's been a good guy for a long time. They did it to Seth Rollins, too. You know, uh, once they start to get booed, that's when you know, all right, change him heel. They never did it with John Cena, so they looked at Roman, who's been a face for a really long time, pretty much since the... Since, since uh, the Shield turned babyface yeah. in 2014? So, I mean, it's been a long time since we haven't had a heel Roman. Yeah, six years. And he's putting on phenomenal work right now, and... and he, Anyone who complains that he's pushed down our throats. They're literally doing what you wanted them to do. Exactly. So You've been asking them to turn him heel forever, and now you're bitching because he's champion. So that was a great match on uh, SmackDown. And might I add that he is this heel champion, and he keeps winning because they're building up for somebody to beat him. Can't wait to see how pissed off they get about that. Oh, God, that's going to be... They're going to be so mad about Looking it. Looking at you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. 17-time yes. world championship going to be happening. I mean, Roman's the guy to beat if he's going to do it. Um, but back to some uh, Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. I liked what they did here because if you have noticed since Sami Zayn returned earlier this year, or end of last year? Close enough. Now, whenever it was that he returned, when no, it was it was last year. It was when he uh, ever since he lost the Intercontinental Title, basically, he hasn't won a big match at all. He has lost every big match he's had. He has only won two other matches this year. It was like a tag team match with Baron Corbin, and then uh, another tag team match. I think that he had. Oh, no, it was a six or ten-man tag team match on SmackDown. He hasn't had any singles victories this year. They put the right man over. If Kevin Owens is leaving for a little bit, if they want to keep Sami Zayn uh, relevant, which they do because his character work he's doing right now is phenomenal, this was the right call. Sami Zayn needed to go over. And he did. I agree. Like I said, I didn't know that Kevin Owens was going to be taking time off again. Nobody did until, no one, think, until the tweet. Yeah. You know, so it, it kind of came... Off is a shock to everybody. Um, 
I'm okay with it because I completely understand what these guys put their bodies through and the damage that they do. And um, so, I mean, good for him. Um, I just hope to see them do something with Sammy now. Um, I assume he'll go right back into the Intercontinental Championship title hunt. Uh, who knows, though? We'll find out Friday on SmackDown. But we're going to go to Raw since we have the Raw Women's Championship match next. Rhea Ripley defends her championship against Charlotte Flair. Um, good match. Always a good match. These two have Charlotte, natural born chemistry. Charlotte, very rarely do you see a bad match. I feel like if you're a good wrestler, you can work with anybody. Uh, Charlotte can do that. As can Rhea. As, absolutely. And, and if you want proof, not knocking this pro wrestler at all, just go looking back at the matches with Nikki Cross that Charlotte's been having lately, even though Charlotte's lost them due to like interference from Rhea and this and that. And even, right. even and Nikki has beaten Rhea. And Nikki's not bad at all. She's just... Um, it's not... This is no disrespect intended. It's not that she's bad. It's just that people don't expect a lot from her on TV because they don't give her the time to show how good she really is. I agree to that statement. I Vince, agree. Vince doesn't give her enough time on TV. So, and I don't want my words to be twisted. I'm not, not in any way knocking her. I feel like people don't expect much from her because she's not given the opportunities that she should be. I agree. This was a, it was a good match. Uh, unfortunately, it was one of those predictable matches. This is one of those things that I said. If Rhea wins, she kind of can't win clean. It's Charlotte. But there's like no outside interference involving a third party unless it's Nikki Cross. Which, uh, fans, we did not see that happen. And then I said the only way Charlotte can win, Charlotte can't win clean because Rhea's basically a new champion just like Bianca. You know, so you, if you're going to run with Rhea, you can't have her lose in the middle of the biggest push of her career right now. She's that, that They're not ready for right. that. And then the biggest issue in the middle of that became the fact that we have two, two heels feuding against each other. Which, by the way, the fact that they turned Rhea heel as soon as she made her roster debut was stupid. She was probably one of the hottest baby faces in the company, and it, it still makes no sense. I would say that that is a McMahon not knowing what to do with a godlike character. Or in that he didn't pay attention to her at all. Exactly. time in NXT. Um, if you've ever seen, he's always had a, a, unless you're The Undertaker, he's always had a problem with that dark goth characters. Kevin Thorne, uh, The Brood. The Brood only lasted a couple of months, but they're most iconic because of their music and their entrance. Right. You know, so any goth-like characters with Vince, they don't last long. Uh, good things did come out of that because we got Edge and Christian and Gangrel just kind of got left in the dust uh, with his vampire gimmick, but that, that is what it is. Here's, here's the issue. Here is the biggest issue of why this match was a problem, why many of the matches on this card were a problem. So I was listening to Busted Open Radio, and Bully Ray was talking about this. And he used Bianca Belair as an example. Um, so none of these matches are bad. None of the winners are bad. But here we are still finding the product to be flawed, right? The problem is, is that we only ever are concerned with the buildup of WrestleMania throughout the whole entire year. And that's not how it used to be. It used to build up to every pay-per-view. The problem is, is we get characters like Rhea Ripley. We get characters like... Bianca Belair, uh, 2019, you saw it with Seth Rollins. You saw it to an extent with Drew McIntyre, but not as much because he also bore the whole being the champion during the COVID-19 era, so nobody knew what was going to happen. That's what kept his run fresh. The problem is they, they are too focused on the chase with most of these competitors that they make the chase the most interesting part. Bianca leading up to beat Sasha for the title. Rhea 
coming up and leading up to beating Asuka for the title. Having all these internet fan favorites chase to beat the title because he knows that we'll follow into that. But there's never a follow-up plan for what happens after they win, and that's why the product falls flat afterwards. Because we we see these people win, and then there's no good storylines from the moment they win. And that's why most of the time the fans turn on them, because their product and their storylines become uninteresting because there is never a continuation of after they win the title. There is never a game plan for what happens after the chase is over. I'm sorry that I'm, like, making these weird No, no, you're fine. Because, like, I'm thinking about, as you're saying it, like, looking back. It hasn't happened in a long time. Becky Lynch is one of the few exceptions of a character that stayed entertaining. And even her storylines... They to an extent, to fall flat towards the end. Lacey Evans storyline. The uh, there was there was more after that. The Natalia storyline. No offense, to Natalia. That should have been a five star program. You had one, two of the best submission specialists, and they put nothing into that. Do you think it's because they don't know how to do that? No, it's it's absolutely not because they know don't know how to do it because they've been booking Roman Reigns strong for the past year. We've seen them take su- uh, former superstars that have come back and given them plenty of storylines. They were still able to make Daniel Bryan compelling, and he wasn't even in the chase for a title. So it's not that it's impossible, it's just they don't do any long-term planning for champions. And it's it's generally babyface champions that the problem happens to. You don't see it happen often with heel champions, with the exception of, I'd say right now, Bobby Lashley starting to fall into the same uh, category because his chase to the title, everybody loved what the Hurt Business was doing. And then he won, and then the Hurt Business broke up, and now there's nothing interesting about that act anymore, and it's not their fault. They don't have any planning for what happens after the chase is over. And this is where we said, we had talked about this on previous shows, when it comes to the Hurt Business, they should have kept them together. Mm-hmm. They should have had the... Uh, they should have sh- had all of them hold every single title. They should have Cedric and Al- uh, Alexander and Shelton Benjamin still as the tag team champions. MVP should be the United States champion right now, and Bobby Lashley should be WWE champion. And you could have run a mock version of Evolution. Yeah, just new faces. It would have worked. And somewhat different storylines. A lot Because a lot of fans were really upset with the breaking up of Cedric and Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Shelton, because they were such... As a tag team, they were great. They were great. And their heels... So WWE kind of had them play like the latchkey type, right? To to, to Bobby, and, and then all of a sudden, like they they start losing matches. You could see the writing on the wall. Like mm-hmm. they were gonna oh, absolutely! And you can even see it with with Sheamus right now too. Sheamus is one of the hottest book stars throughout twenty twenty. He won the U.S. title, and now he's kind of feuding with some of the lower card talent. Not to be disrespectful to them, but like. You, there's that's a perfect example of that storyline. You should be using that, that Seamus storyline and what he's doing with like some of the guys that are included in that he's feuding with right now are Ricochet. You could have used that to build Ricochet up instead of making Seamus less interesting. You're instead of using Seamus to build Ricochet up, you're almost making it seem like you're moving Seamus down. Yeah, and so that's that's the biggest issue. And I, I'd like to hope that it's because. Part of it's because we're still in the middle of the pandemic right now, and those behind-the-scenes shows are happening, you know, not in front of fans. But it's that's not even an excuse because it's been happening since before the pandemic started. Like I said, Seth Rollins was a perfect example in 2019. You had him win the title. And the only thing that kept that title picture interesting for a little bit after he first won it, and I hate to say this, was Brock Lesnar because it gave so, it gave the fans something to be pissed off about. Whether you're happy or angry because Lesnar's the champion, you're interested because you're complaining about it. When you give them nothing to talk about because you have nothing planned after they've won their championship, that's where people start getting uninterested. Yeah. Um, you say that from, from busted open, and I, I never would have really thought about it until you said it like that, and then... I said, oh, it's, everything's playing through it my ma- head. It makes sense. I'm going through Like, you back, can think like, of years of wrestling that this applies to. And that's what I started doing, and I started thinking, like, after someone won a championship, I mean, like, even back as far as, like, Owen Hart with the Intercontinental Championship, he won, like, one of the one times he won it, 
was with a nation, but yeah. like it became kind of stale because they put so much focus on the rock. Right. And the rock was that big that big thing for them. Meanwhile, a lot of fans like to this day will argue and, and I'll tell fans all the time, Owen Hart was a co leader of the nation. Mm-hmm. There's a Monday Night Raw episode, I believe, in 1998. Mm-hmm. Jim Ross blatantly comes out and says, the nation of domination, yes, they're all primarily African-American wrestlers. Uh, however, they have Owen Hart, who's actually a Canadian. He's actually a co-leader, and that was because of The Rock, because of his experience in professional wrestling. Right. I remember that stuck out to me like a sore thumb, because Owen Hart's here, and now he's the Intercontinental Champion. You got The Rock, and then you had D'Lo, and you had Mark Henry. They made up the four. Right. He just kind of became a lackluster, even though he had the championship, because everything was about The Rock. The only exception to these this rule that I've noticed over the years have been either A, guys that have been indie guys most of their careers, so they're okay with risking going off script a little bit. Guys like CM Punk, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan. They were a couple of the, the ones, but they weren't. they also weren't guys that had like the wrestlemania buildup you could argue daniel bryan did but he got injured afterwards so we never got to see what happened yep. but also think about it we did we saw one feud after daniel bryan's huge victory at wrestlemania 30 it was a rivalry with kane which no offense to kane he's one of the greatest legends but at that point kane's someone that you should have built him up for at a bigger pay-per-view and when you present kane as a first challenger you know he's not going to win and you know he's there to put someone over it was the same way with the big show so even Daniel Bryan, right after WrestleMania 30, they tried to do the same thing to him. But you've got guys like AJ Styles and CM Punk who they weren't afraid to go off a little off script. They were able to make everything interesting no matter what they did because they didn't care to an extent. They yeah. were okay with making riskier decisions. You see some of that with some of the legends that come back and win titles too as much as people don't will complain about it because those guys used to go off script all the time and they're not afraid to do it and they're not afraid to do it in front of Vince. Yeah. Guys like Edge, guys like Goldberg, guys like Brock Lesnar, you know, they're not afraid to go off script. John Cena, not afraid. The Rock, not afraid because they know they're practically invincible. Some of these guys need to stop walking on eggshells and maybe go off script a little bit here and there. Well, I mean, those guys are like the ones that if they go off script, it's not like Vince is going to fire them. It's like some of these other guys I could, I could understand wanting to be afraid. But, but if you're a top talent, well, who knows? Braun Strowman got released late, recently, so yeah. you never know anymore. But the, the, that, that's, that's been one of the main issues, and multiple matches on this card suffered from that. Matches like Bianca Belair, Bailey suffered from it, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte, and the WWE title match. Yeah. But that being said... Um, now that we went down a rabbit hole. Yeah, well, no, no, no. <laughs> it applies, though. It applies no, it to does, this. it does. It applies to most of, a lot of the matches on this card. But back to Rhea and Charlotte, it applied here because there was no way to keep it interesting, so they went with a lame DQ finish. And this is the finish that pissed off... This, this match pissed off probably more people than the Alexa Bliss match, only because of the finish. A lot of people were very upset about this finish. Yes, and uh, going back to earlier, I said I had already known that there was only going to be a few ways that this played out. If Rhea is to win, she's not going to win clean, which means Charlotte would DQ herself. Mm-hmm. If Charlotte is going to win, she's not winning the championship. I already knew that because... Rhea is new to the to the, the game, basically. She's new to the main roster. She's only had the belt a few months. They're obviously trying to build her up. Right. Where I saw it being an issue was you have two heels, basically. Someone's getting DQ'd, and obviously they went with Rhea getting herself DQ'd to keep the championship. And, and this is where a lot of fans got mad because of that. And they're trying to build her up as a heel more, but it didn't It didn't work. It, no. However, I think, and this is the last thing I'm going to say on this match, I don't think we're going to see too much of just Rhea and Charlotte 1v1 anymore because it was noted that one Becky Lynch was backstage at Hell in a Cell last night. So there's a strong possibility she's coming back tonight. SummerSlam's coming near. They might want to start setting her up for a SummerSlam match soon. Her return's going to be at SummerSlam, I can guarantee you. Her return match, at least. Yeah, and the only thing, though, I don't want to see, and I, I feel like if that's the case, we will see it, Becky will win the championship.
if 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 Rhea still has it at that point. I'm Maybe not though. Maybe she loses and then they build up slowly to Becky Rhea at WrestleMania. Because I WWE likes to do this anytime somebody comes back. They immediately win. They used to do a John Cena all the time. Yeah, and I I think sometimes we need to break away from that. It's predictable. It's predictable. It's, it's but fun, and we want them to win the title, but it doesn't need to be immediately. But I, I understand from a fan's point because fans are going to sit there. It's uh, we'll make this a hypothetical. Rhea versus Becky at SummerSlam. Rhea wins. Fans are going to be mad because Becky didn't win, and we had that whole build up for nothing. Becky that's, wins. That's what they're going to say. Becky wins. Rhea Ripley fans are going to be extremely frustrated. She hasn't been on the main roster long. She hasn't even had her opportunity or time to shine. And honestly, fan reaction is part of the reason that these storylines go bad, too, because back in the day, if somebody lost the title, we're like, well, that just gives them a chance to win it again. Don't you want them to win multiple titles? Yeah. And we, we, don't, we don't get that anymore. And uh, it's starting to get to a point where I'm starting to feel that fans are just taking over all the time. I knew and, this was going to happen once the Daniel Bryan stuff happened years ago. And uh, there is so many different things involving pro wrestling from the style, the different styles from, from cruiserweight, lucha libre, Japanese strong style, technical wrestling, modern day wrestling. For the amount of talent they have, this should be the greatest wrestling product in existence ever. Exactly. They have, the, they have better athletes, not even better, they just have such a different variety of athletes that they beat out as, in in the form of wrestlers and athletes and their capability and their ability. They beat out every company out there because they have just such a wide array, but it's the same thing that it's been they forever. Beat, they beat, it's the creative. Yes, and they beat all traditional sports, NFL, NBA, MLB, mm-hmm. NHL. They beat all those. Uh, even in some circumstances, MMA, you know, they beat those in the ratings. But all shows have taken a decline in ratings. All sports have taken a decline in ratings. Professional wrestling is none of the sort. They've taken a beating in ratings. You know, but they were also taking a beating before, before COVID happened. and all yeah. this happened. You know, prior, you know, you had the Attitude Era that we're seeing ratings of anywhere from 4 million to, uh, what, 9 million people watching at some point. Now there's SmackDown barely gets the two million mark, and that's the highest out and that, of all. And that does better than Raw or, or any NXT. other wrestling yeah. show. And the other biggest issue there is the fact that, and I'm not trying to sound like everybody when I bring up the whole PG thing, but the reason that WWE being a P, being PG is an issue is because you're directing the show at families, but families aren't watching anymore. Like. No. People, you're not getting, there are not casual fans for the most part anymore. Most of your audience is the hardcore fans that as much as we've complained, we've stuck around. And you need to, and this is just common sense with television, you need to aim your product at your demographic. The demographic is not kids. It was for, it was for a while, PG made sense because your demographic was kids. But you know when that was? That was when John Cena was on television. That was because of him. Because John Cena was on television, your demographic was children because kids loved John Cena. He's not one of the main people there anymore, and therefore your target audience goes back to being, well, people people around our age. So you notice AEW is doing, with the exception of right now, and I'm not counting right now because they got forced they got forced into that Friday night yeah. thing. And that's why they're taking a dip. With them, it's not their product. They got put on the same night as SmackDown, and I'm pretty sure there's sports on that night, too. Yes, there so, is. So yes. there's there's a lot of stuff going on, and people actually want to watch SmackDown right now because of Roman. So a lot of people are choosing SmackDown over AEW. They got moved uh, for the NBA playoffs, and they air after SmackDown. But on a Friday night now, and everything opening up, at least here in New York, People are going out. People are doing social things. And so it's, it, and it's the middle of the time, summer. They're not watching wrestling. So it's not the AEW product. But before they got moved to Friday, they were, they were doing the best the- best ratings they've done yet because they're yeah. hitting their demographic. You know, they are, you know, they're putting out a product that reaches out to the people that are watching the product. And, yeah, and if you well, – the one thing I noticed when I've covered results or ratings at Sports Kita, now you guys can find me at Wrestling Inc., 
shameless plug. Thank you. Um, what they always talk about, they never talk about the ratings when it comes to the kids. The demographic now that they're always talking about is that 18 to 49 males. But they're not, but w, yet WWE is not trying to actively that's reach that demographic. That's not their active demographic anymore, but that's like the demographic that everybody, or at least every wrestling company or the dirt sheets are focusing on is that 18 to 49. Which is funny because I think I don't think WWE knows that that is still their demographic, but they just, they literally don't know it. And, and the thing is, is as we get older, we actually stop watching less because it's not like the wrestling we knew as kids. Uh, fans, we're going to share a personal story here uh, between Alex and I. I myself have been struggling to watch wrestling for a while now. Yep. And a lot of that has to do with, I think about when I was a kid, when it was the golden era of Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, Ultimate Warrior, Brutus Beefcake, Greg Valentine, Honky Tonk Man, those wrestlers, Million Dollar Man, Andre the Giant. And for me, I had guys like Triple H, The Rock, um, the bare end of Stone Cold Steve Austin, but Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, Edge, Rey Mysterio, Batista, Randy Orton, you know, back in their earlier days of their career. The ruthless aggression. Yeah, ruthless, like, for me, it was the tail end of the Attitude Era going into mostly the ruthless aggression era. So, even from then, it's not the same anymore. And I, I struggle because they put the same product on TV every week. That's the reason I can watch yes. SmackDown over Raw. They don't put the same product on TV every week. I agree. And and for me, the first time I actually stopped watching wrestling was your era with the Ruthless Aggression. I didn't have the same feel. It just it didn't feel right. Um, and fans, Alex and I, to this, like right now, are struggling. Uh, that's mm-hmm. why when we're talking, the enthusiasm isn't there right now. We need something different for the main roster. And we said this, and I, I said this in a text to you, actually. Something needs to change, or for us it's going to continue going downhill to the point that this show could not even happen anymore. It, it's almost it's like... It's not that we don't want to do it. It's not, it, it's not that we don't want to do it. It's just that the product to us has been so stale. You can only eat a stale cookie for so long before you throw it out. Right. We've been eating stale cookies for a while now, folks. Uh, we don't know how you guys feel about the product. It's just been a struggle for us, even with other companies. Um, and, and that's why one of the biggest things I said was, with the live audience, Vince McMahon better have kept his word that the product will get better. Or the other thing I said was, that AEW video game better be fun, like no mercy, like what they're comparing it to. Because, like I said, we don't know how long we can continue to watch a product that is like this. You know, and a lot of people um, give grief to Vince Russo or Jim Cornette. Those are guys, Jim Cornette been in the business since the 70s when he was taking photographs at WWF events and then, you know, like Paul Heyman did and then slowly started that way and became a manager and got involved in the business. Vince Russo came in at a different time. He was writing for WWF Magazine and then he was part of the big boom of the Attitude Era, which we know Jim Cornette didn't like. And then there was Eric Bischoff who played another factor with the whole add the realism into WCW instead of going for that Bill Watts, 1992, but let's bring it back to the 70s. And then you even have Jeff Jarrett, who, in the case of TNA, brought, earlier in in the early thousands, he brought essentially that vision that Eric Bischoff had for the end of WCW where we were going to start focusing on the athletes. But the thing was, he was able to focus on athletes and also put compelling storylines in in the earlier days of TNA. We have compelling athletes now, but there's no compelling compelling storylines for them. I 100% agree. You know what the other biggest issue is, too? Production. Production is a big issue. And before we get to this, should we talk about the last match? Because we kind of went off a rabbit hole. We're going to come back to this in a minute because I want to pick 
his brain on it, and we're gonna talk production in a minute. But okay, first let's Rhea with first Rhea Ripley wins by DQ. Yes. So we did we didn't clarify that Rhea Ripley wins by DQ. Um, so the final match of the night, the WWE Championship match, and this is why I went into this rabbit hole because this suffers more than any other match on the card from this. I don't think we need to talk about the match itself because they have wrestled a ton of times. They're great. They have better chemistry than almost anybody in the business right now. I think we should just say who the winner was and then let you go into production. Bobby Lashley won because of a distraction by MVP. Um, He distracted Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley won with a roll-up. That was another thing that people were pissed off about because he won with a roll-up. The one thing I do like about this is Drew McIntyre can't... can't challenge for the championship anymore. So as long as champion, over. as long as cha- uh, Lashley is champion, Drew McIntyre is going to be champion again. I want him to be champion. I'm not saying I'm happy because he shouldn't be in the title plate picture because he should. But for right now, he needs to take a step away. And honestly, this is a good time for when the draft comes up later this year. You trade him over to SmackDown and you build up to eventually Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns. Like that being that. said, Bobby Lashley wins. That is the end of Hell in Cell. Going back to Production being a big issue. Another reason why people pay attention more to AEW is, um, well, one, they, they, like I said, they target the demographic that pro wrestling in general uh, is aimed at. So the other reason is because their stage doesn't look like it's just made of computers like every other wrestling company right now. New Japan's the only one that I won't count... um, I'm not going to count MLW because they're, like, a smaller stage, but, like, NXT, Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, Impact, they've all, ever since they all went to the HD screens back in, like, it was, like, 2010, 2012, there's no imagination or creativity in the sets anymore, and those also used to compel people. The fact that when you, when I turn on the screen, the... When I turn on TV to watch Raw, that I'm watching a match that I've already seen with a bunch of computer screens in basically in the back of the whole entire time that take up most of what I'm paying attention to on the screen. It's just it's too much. And that's another thing. It's just there's no there's nothing interesting anymore. You watch a pay-per-view, even when they first won HD, the pay-per-views used to at least be creative. You'd have money in the bank where like the Titantron would be set up to look structurally like a ladder. The Hell in a Cell one, it would look like a cell. You only get it with WrestleMania these days. SummerSlam, they used to have everything beach-related. Uh, Armageddon used to look like a city burning to the ground. Um, Great American Bash was like Star Spangled Banner everywhere. And now it's just, hey, it's this theme, but like on a computer screen. Because everything is all like digitalized and everything right. to it. You can work the HD screens it, but it doesn't, the whole set doesn't need to be computers. Or like when a wrestler comes out, they have that 3D thing pop out from, you know. Right, that I like. hologram type. That I, I actually like that because it's something different. Use that. Start being creative with the sets again. Stop giving us the same damn thing every week. And that's what it boils down to. The matches, the production, the creative. It's the same damn thing every week. And Rob will tell or talk about this every week. About That's why the main reason that nobody watches Monday Night Raw anymore. Because they put, if you watch like back episodes between Down WrestleMania, I bet you you can find most of the time that there was a similar match from every single freaking week from here back to Mania. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's just like, uh, you know, you, you with, with thinking about sets now, I think WCW always did the best. WWE used to be Bash real good beach. at it, too. It was always a beach. An game. actual beach. It wasn't just beach themed things. Yeah. Um, or like Hog Wild, where like they, they did it at like Sturgis one year with all the bikers and oh, everything. Yeah. Or, or when they did like the actual, like when they did Bash at the Beach, they had like the actual swimming pool. Yeah. Or like, like how AEW did when they do the the Jericho Cruise. Yes. Um, um, AEW is really good at it too. When they did the the first stadium stampede, where they actually like used the pool in the stadium, they're they're pretty good at it too. WWE used to be great at this. I believe it was AEW. It was the first Double or Nothing where they used like the huge, play the playing cards. Oh, the, and the, the, the stack of chips too. Those were those were made by uh, Colin Shawcross there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it was like in figure groups and everything like that on Facebook, and he was it was really cool to see all that. But you only see it once a year now yes. with WWE, and it's at and, WrestleMania. That's it. And to me, the best stage is always, and it's never going to change, has always been WCW Halloween Havoc. Oh right? my God, it was my they favorite. Always, they always did those sets amazing, you know, with the, the big blow-up things, and, you know, they had sponsors too, like Slim Jim and stuff, but... You know, the canvas itself to the ring had the logo and everything on it. Right. And Just start actually investing. Giving a damn. Yeah, like, we're paying money. A lot of people are paying money for this. Like, start actually making it look like you give a damn. But who knows? I'll give this. The thing with NXT where they have the audience, where it looks like they're behind a steel cage type deal almost, right. but they still have uh, the, the computer screens with everybody for... Uh, Thunderdome type deal. It's a little different. It's a little different, but I mean, they have it like they're in cages, like a cage match. Right. So, I mean, it's. I'm talking about the actual stage. Yeah, though. no, the stage, like, it's just everything's LED on the stage Even itself like, behind change, it. Change up the barricades, change up everything, man. I don't know if the LEDs make it cheaper to do, but I mean, it just, it doesn't. With how technology is today, I doubt it. it I bet you it's more expensive, it, if anything. I'd rather physically see stuff. Right, and like I said, you can put the LEDs in in places like, put them on the ramp going down. You can put them, you can integrate them into these structures. It's been done before. They were still doing it when they first won HD like 10 years ago. Yeah, and, and the other thing too is now that you bring that up, besides just the stage, is also the entrances are just kind of bland. Now everybody you, comes out and just, it's... A lot of it's just walking around. You don't see... Again, this goes back to like different... Eras. Only top stars get good entrances these days. The brood would come out up from the stage in a ring of fire. Right. You know, Kane would, you know, had fire all the time. Taker always had the mist when he came out, and even everybody got cold chills. And even lower talent still had not not lower talent, but like talent that weren't top of the card, like main event stars. You got you had like tag teams like Eminem who had like the cool like paparazzi entrance. You yes. Had, Tag teams like Deuce and Domino, who came out as greasers in their in the cherry old in the old nineteen fifty yeah, Chevy. In the Chevy, you had you had literally everything from top to bottom of the card. You had someone like Eugene, which even though like his character may not be socially acceptable in society now, he still had an entrance that was fitting to him as a character. You had literally everything from top to bottom. Mid-card talent, you had guys like Christian at the time who was one of the first big guys to have, like, the pyro coming from down in the sky. You had Randy Orton who had something similar. You you had great entrances from the top of the card to the bottom. JBL and his entire crew came out in a limo while Berto Dorio came out in various sports cars and this and that. Right. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, the lowrider. Yep, the lowrider. Uh, uh, Rey Mysterio used to, you know, pop mm. out with a Budokan. He would jump out from under the stage. So many wrestlers had so many different entrances. Now it's just the music hits, they come out. And if he stopped caring about you, you're just walking to the ring. And, and that's all we see. Now I understand there's no audience for them to interact it's, with or anything it's, like this that. This started long before that. But, but, they, but they, yeah, exactly. The, the, the neat entrances stopped and it's just kind of... Like what happened to Nikki Cross's apocalyptic entrance? What happened to her entire when, character? When the camera would pan everywhere right. and... Sanity should have been one of the biggest things ever. And it never and happened. Or nope. like, how about like uh, uh, the Shield when they would come out, the camera again, like Sanity would go all over the place, mm -hmm. and then you'd see one over here, one over there, one over there, and they all came down and met, and, and then the fist thing came out, boom, 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 in the ring they go. Or the Wyatt family, you know, the the creepy uh, camera cutting to the the fireflies. A best, a, exactly, and a best prime example last night, Alexa Bliss. She, can't, she comes out to pretty much a mix of Bray Wyatt and her theme now, but there was nothing special to it. There nope. was, like, no, everything went black, and all of a sudden, like, boom, she's in the ring. It's just her walking down, you know, you know, and it was, it's a lackluster right now. I feel like you only have a few entrances right now that are actually worth watching that they give a damn about. That's Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre. Roman Reigns and AJ Styles. Do you think after the pandemic that changes? I'd like when to they hope. go to a live audience. I'd like to hope so, but it's unpredictable. I I hope so too. Uh, fans, we will be back.
We're going to talk more about this. We will be back Sunday night. You're getting two shows this week. Alex, I think you know what to do. Guys, if you'd like to follow us on social media, we have a multitude of platforms for you to do so on YouTube, on Facebook, and on TikTok. We are located at Perched on the Top Rope, and on Instagram and Twitter, we are located at Perched Top Rope. You can also find our podcast on the Red Circle Podcast Platform website. You just search up Perched on the Top Rope, Red Circle on Google, and it'll bring you there. We're the first thing on the top of the page. Also, we are on Stitcher. We are on Apple Podcast. We are on, uh, what's the other Spotify. one? Spotify. Anywhere where you can find major podcasts, we are there. Yes, we are. And ladies and gentlemen, remember, spoiler, spoiler freeze, the way, way to be. be. We're out.